Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. All right, great to see everybody here. So honored to be able to worship with you today. Let's just take a second. Um... As we get ready for the message, um, you know, uh, this year I celebrate my 24th year in ministry. And one of the, praise God. And one of the things that I've seen from doing college ministry to church um, to counseling is people authentically want to change. There are habits, behaviors, attitudes, they desperately want to change. And what the world offers us is the normal way you change. You make a plan, you set a goal, and you get focused. And thanks be to Christ Jesus, God has not offered us a plan to change. He's offered us a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And because he, so he has not made a, he's not dependent on us to change ourselves. He has given us a person to live inside of us, to transform our heart. And what happens is we change from the inside out. As our heart changes, our life changes. But because the modus operandi, the normal way of transformation is working hard, giving effort, we tend to take that same principle and we apply it to our spiritual walk. So we try hard and we do it absent of dependence on the Holy Spirit. And when you try to change absent of dependence on the Holy Spirit, you become a religious person. You become a person that depends on books, conferences, scripture memory. Maybe you depend on gifts, you depend on tongues, You depend on all different types of things. But absent dependence on the Holy Spirit, those are mere religious exercises without the power of transformation. And so today, we want to push back our tendency towards religion. We want to push back our tendency to just depend on our own efforts. And we want to lean into our fellowship, dependence, and submission on the Holy Spirit. Today, I wonder if there is an attitude, a habit, a behavior that you're holding on to right now, that you want God to change you. Or maybe you came to Christ because you wanted to see change and you're not seeing it. Today, I give you no magical potion. I don't give you a two-step process. I offer you the Holy Spirit. I offer you an understanding of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When I was a kid, my sisters uh, did more chores than I did, praise God. I was the youngest one, so that's how I ended up the way I am today. So I got away with murder. And uh, Thanksgiving, everybody had to chip in, right? So this is the one day I got to do dishes. And so as I'm doing the dishes... 
uh, you know, that, that, that macaroni and cheese, when it sets real hard in that pan, it, it's, it's hard to get off, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm, I'm working that thing. I'm working that thing. And I'm scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing. And my sister comes over and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm just, I'm trying to clean. She's like, you could, you could tell you're not used to cleaning. She says, give me this pot. So she fills it up with water. She puts soap in it. She swirls it around. And I go, what's next? She said, let it sit. And I was like, well, how's it going to come off? She said, just wait till the morning. I was like, how does that work? She said, just wait till the morning and you will see. Wake up in the morning. I look up. And, I, and, and my sister goes, watch this. And she goes, Phew. And all the stuff starts to fall off. She goes, I said, how did that happen? I was scrubbing. She said, you need scrubbing and soaking. And oftentimes, we don't realize the power of transformation doesn't come from the scrubbing of effort alone. It comes from soaking in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So today, today, I offer you a greater understanding of the Spirit of God in your life. Why don't you pray for yourself? And that thing you've been trying to scrub away, that habit, that attitude, you've been trying to scrub away. I offer you a better understanding of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit by way of our dependence on him and our submission to the cross of Jesus Christ, our giving our life to him. We are offered the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning we have come with attitudes, habits, behaviors. We're offered plans, goals, focus, energy. God, we still need to focus. We still need plans. We still need goals. But the power of our transformation isn't a person, not a plan. So God, help us to see your power in our lives. Give us a deeper fellowship with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So when you fall into the habit of scrubbing and not soaking, when you fall into the habit of religiosity, it is just like that, falling into it. It's a trap. Religious effort offers you two traps, a performance trap and a pretending trap. The performance trap is for God and the pretending trap is for people. The performance trap... You never fully understand the power of Jesus Christ's death on the cross and what it accomplished. So you are always trying to impress God. You are always wondering if he's pleased in you. And you walk around with this effort you're trying to do for God. You're trying to wave a resume in front of him. And performance is exhausting. Always wondering if he's pleased. Performance for God also then leads for, to pretending towards people. And that's what you've seen, many of you. You've seen people in church pretending. You saw that couple come in and they're, how are you? How are you? Good to see you. The wife's like, hi. The kids are like, but right before they walked in, they were wiling out. <laughs> and when performance becomes a culture in a church, 
Everyone thinks that pretending is the way of the faith. And so you don't want to get into conflict. You don't want to have a problem. You don't want to mess up in front of church people because everyone's pretending. Isn't that crazy? Performing and pretending makes church the worst place to be a mess. And so what ends up happening is you hold down your attitudes. You hold down your behaviors. You hold down the broken places in your life. And it ends up being like a, like a, like a beach ball that you try to hold underwater. And every now and then, your attitude slips out. Every time now and then, you just go off. You're like, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it came from you. <laughs> Performing and pretending make church the worst place to be honest. And the Bible says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's actually freedom. Could it be that God has placed a person within us to transform us so that we could actually be honest? That maybe Christ-centered people should be the most authentic people on earth. Because we didn't get into this because of our efforts. We know grace saved us. And let me tell you this. We live in a world of posturing, pretending, and performing. It is not just preaching. It is not just worship. It's not just having a service in a, in a nice space. Let me tell you, one of the greatest apologetics, meaning one of the greatest way people will be one to the faith is through authentic Christians. Authenticity is the apologetic of our day. Being able to be a mess, yet know you're deeply loved, blows people's minds. And the gospel frees us to be a mess, and yet deeply loved. We are scrubbing and soaking. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, Paul is going to give us this picture of the Spirit of God in our life, because if you look at Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, Paul has been breaking down the tension we have, the struggle we have with sin. He, you know, throughout the book, he's been laying out the gospel, showing us that we're sinners, showing us that it's by faith alone. By the time he gets to Romans chapter 7, he's trying to clarify the fact that you will still struggle with the presence of sin. But in Romans chapter 8, he's showing us the power of transformation, the power to overcome, because we have, Christ has defeated the power of sin in our life by giving us the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says, and let me just say this as a side note, if you've ever thought to yourself, I'd like to memorize a verse, this is the verse. If you've said to yourself, I want to study a chapter in the Bible, this is the chapter. 
Because if there is anything more confusing in our world, it is how to change by way of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I wonder if we could say that together, amen? Let's say that together. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's say it one more time. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a liberating verse. Amen? Therefore, he's been saying, you struggle with sin. He's saying, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is a legal term. It means you owe a debt that must be paid, right? And the consequences of sin, uh, the, 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 the work of sin in our lives uh, has been paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ, He pays for past sins, present sins, and future sins. He says on the cross, tetelestai, it is finished. It's paid for. And so the weight of our sin, the the, the way in which we would be separated from God, has been paid for by Jesus. There's no condemnation anymore. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says it, essentially this way, that if there was condemnation for sin, then sin would be paid for twice. And do you know when somebody wants you to pay twice for something that's already been paid? Pastor Rasul talked about the scammers that call you, that somehow all of our numbers got out to these people, right? And they call you and they say, hey, your insurance bill isn't paid. They call you and say, oh, your school loan isn't paid. And what they're trying to do is to get you to pay pay for something that's already paid for. The only time somebody wants you to pay for something that's already paid for, it's a scam. And the guilt you feel is not meant for your condemnation. You see, you have to understand, there is condemnation for sin, and Christ paid that condemnation. So really what's happening is you're trying to pay a bill that's already paid. Is that what you do? You call up Con Ed and be like, did I pay my bill? Can I pay it again? Because, I don't know, I was just thinking, I don't know, did I use the heat a lot this month? Shoot. You don't do that in life. Why would you do that in your faith? No, the the evil one wants to scam you by getting you to presume something isn't paid for. But what if it's already paid for? So what's actually happening is when you feel condemnation, that's actually not condemnation. Uh, One author put it this way. It's like re-condemnation, right? You're trying to pay again for something that's already paid for. But let me me encourage you, brother and sister, what you need is not re-condemnation. What you need is repentance, Okay? You don't need to pay for sin again. You need to turn from sin again. And our, our turning from sin is 
us allowing the Spirit of God to transform us and to take us away directionally from the sin that so easily attracts us. The Bible talks about how sin that so easily entangles us. So sin has this, and we talked about this the other week, sin has this tantalizing way in which it, it, we become um, almost like in a trance. And yet the Spirit of God has more power than sin. The Spirit of God has power to break the yoke of sin in our life. So, the, so repentance is what we need, turning from our sin. And the Spirit of God gives us that power. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, when Paul uses terminology about law, understand that he's not necessarily talking about the Old Testament at this point. He's using the word law by way of talking about a principle or a rule. And what he's saying is the law of the Spirit, the operating power of the Spirit, the new order of the Spirit in your life has now set you free. He's going to talk later about how we were never able to fulfill the actual law in the Old Testament, but now this new Spirit this new way of living now is a driving force for you to be obedient. So where we have to understand is salvation is a two-sided coin. Salvation is a two-sided coin. On one side is forgiveness, and on the other side is transformation. In other words, you cannot have forgiveness without transformation. You cannot be saved without a transformed life. It's a two-sided coin. And we see imagery. Um, Mark mentioned this uh, while he was ministering to us. In Mark chapter 2, Mark said this, but in the book of Mark, it's Mark chapter 2, uh, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now take up your bed and walk. Forgiveness change. In, in John chapter 8, um, if you remember the story of a woman caught in adultery, as this woman is caught in adultery, she has a bunch of accusers, a bunch of Pharisees that are wanting to condemn her, to stone her even. And Jesus would drive away her accusers and in driving them away, look at what Jesus does in John chapter 8. He says to this woman, has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. And from now on, sin no more. I don't condemn you, sin no more. Religious people reverse the order. And what they say is, sin no more. Oh, now he won't condemn us. And that's how they tell the story in their heart. And that's what you feel sometimes. That if I can just be consistent now, he won't condemn me. And so... That's, what, that's the rule in our hearts. That's the principle in our hearts. Our principle in our hearts wants to operate by law and say, okay, if I, if I keep all the rules, he loves me. But he knows you're a rule breaker. So he says, I won't condemn you for your rule breaking behavior. Ah, but go and sin no more. 
Stop breaking all them rules. <laughs> Jesus's transformative process happens through a love acceptance. He assures her of acceptance before he commands her to change. We find the power to change only in the insurance of his acceptance. Of knowing we can go back to him in our most broken moments. That's how you change. You change when you are ashamed and you're guilty and you're sad and you say, change me again, God. And his power of his acceptance and his love drives you back to your knees and drives you to him. If you're presuming that discipline can be the sole force that changes you, you do not have a respect for the attractiveness of sin. Sin, fine. Sin be looking good, <laughs> okay? Okay? <laughs> Woo, sin wouldn't be sin if it didn't feel good, okay? Sin is way too attractive to just make discipline your only means of strength. You must delight in him and allow your delight in him drive your discipline. You must love him and know he loves you beyond your behavior. Your attitudes and habits and behaviors do not dictate, indicate anything about your relationship with God. That's a lie. That's a scam from the evil one. You are loved on your worst day. And it is because of the work of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You are loved on your worst day because of Jesus. And that's what drives you back to him. And so, be, so, so Paul takes just a, a he, he goes on this little moment and he just kind of throws theology in here real quick. He says in eight, uh, three and four, he says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. There's nothing wrong with the law. He dealt with this in chapter seven. There's nothing wrong with the law. What he's saying is the law is weakened by the flesh. The way he's trying to say that is everything God has placed in his word, there's nothing wrong with it. We're the wrong with it. It's weakened by our flesh. Rules don't work when people don't follow them. And so, He's saying it was weakened by the flesh. So he's saying God had to do in the law what we could not do. So the way that God was able to have the law fulfilled, look what he says in verse three, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. What he does then is he sends his son to live and fulfill the law but he also, watch this, takes on the consequences of our sin. One author would put it this way. He ends up living the life we could not live, but then he dies the death we could not die. He lives out perfect obedience, but he ends up being the perfect sacrifice at the same time. And so then he goes on to say in verse four, in order that the righteous requirement of 
the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteousness of God is fulfilled in Jesus so that now the righteousness of God is on your life so much so that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, the perfect obedience of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ so that you do not have to perform because someone performed for you. And you do not have to be condemned because someone was condemned for you. And so he dies the death we could not die. He lives the life we could not live. And then he, he tops it off by having a transaction. And this transaction is we spiritually are placed in Christ. That is a position that we have. Our new position is in Christ. And by way of the Holy Spirit, Christ is in us. So that's the transaction, Christ in us, us in Christ. And now we have this, authors would call it a union in Christ, this union, fellowship. And that's how we are transformed. He fulfills the law, he dies the death, he offers us his spirit. And so Paul then gets practical in verse four and five, and he says, who, he's talking about us, Walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So he gives us this imagery of how he sacrificed. But then he says, but this is how you walk. Now, saints, this is the practical application's time in the message. Amen? This is where you're going to see how to live for Christ and how transformation works. He gives us a very practical outworking. Here's a group of people who live according to the flesh. How do you know? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now, I want you to pay attention to something very important. He's saying that People who see transformation by way of the Spirit, I want you to notice a phrase he says. He says, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit. He doesn't say they set their mind on the Spirit. The reason why that is important is because there's a form of religion that talks about the Holy Ghost all the time. In other words, there can be people who talk about the Spirit all day. It is not that you talk about the Spirit. It's not that you have a conference based on the Spirit. It's not that you have a book about the Spirit. It's not even the gifts of the Spirit he's talking about. He says he, they, it's a mindset on the things of the Spirit. And the things of the Spirit, Paul will go on later, he'll give this imagery of fruit, and he'll say the things of the Spirit are things like love and joy and justice and beauty. And, and Philippians, he talks about to think on things that are true and lovely and good report. So it is not just having a mind on the Spirit of God, the person, but it is on the things of the Spirit. And what Paul is trying to get at it's he's trying to communicate that the Spirit of God is a person and the way that you are transformed is by fellowship with a person. In fact, that's what gets you in trouble sometimes are the people you're with. Yeah. 
And the Spirit of God is a person. And your fellowship with the Spirit is actually what transforms you and changes you. And so the the imagery that he says in the last part there in verse 5, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You live according to the Spirit. I've said this before, that when Paul in Galatians, and we won't go over that right now, but in Paul in Galatians, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he's obviously talking about the evidence that the fellowship of the Spirit has been happening in your life. But let me just be clear about the way fruit works. An orange tree, you see, doesn't have its oranges there And as you are considering that orange, it doesn't sit there and go, you see that orange, right? It's fly, right? It's pretty orangey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, by my estimation, I'm a pretty banging orange tree, you know what I'm saying? What happens actually is you look and you say, mm, that looks like a good orange. And you take that orange and you say, can't wait to have some orange juice. And you enjoy it. The orange doesn't tell us it's orange. People tell us it's orange. And in other words, I am not the person saying I'm patient. My wife says I'm patient. Fruit is indication of who you are in community, not who you think you are. And the evidence of the Spirit, that's why community is so important in our walk with God. And so that's why you find some of the most gifted people spiritually living the most carnally because they've been propped up because of their gifts, not because of their character. Literally, because we have a presumption of the way the Spirit of God works, we think if you're a good speaker, good singer, good leader, then you must have the Spirit of God working well in your life. And the gifts of the Spirit and the character or the fruit of the Spirit are not the same thing. The fruit of the Spirit is who you are in community. The gifts of the Spirit are who you are on stage. Those are two different things. And that's why we work very hard to make sure that we try to elevate people by way of character, not by way of gifting. I am so glad you're gifted, but I want to know who you are in the dark and in the light. I'm so glad you pray in tongues. Can you love people in English, right? That's what we're trying to do. That's what, so love is the fruit. So, 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 so what I can do is I can go around and say, do y'all think he's a loving person? It's, it's, it's an indication of who you are, not how you're able to talk about Jesus, not how glowingly you're able to sing about Jesus, not how dynamic you are skilled in talking about Jesus, but is actually looking like Jesus. That is the evidence. That's the only evidence. And so Paul in Galatians, he'll use a different phrasing. So if you notice in Romans, he uses this phrasing talking about a mindset. But in Galatians, he, he kind of is using similar imagery, but he talks not just about a mindset, but now he drops down 18 inches into the heart and he talks about desires. And in Galatians 5, he says, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. 
For these, he says, are opposed to one another. And I love what Paul says, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I just think that's such a powerful, honest (laughs) space to be in. Can we be honest right now? Because there are tons of conversations that I'm in that I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Oh, wow, that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. My flesh is like in a, in a cage. He's like, let me tell him what to say. I know what to say, you know, and they're just like locked up. And, wh- and what I want to do is read you, right? I want, I want to tell you about yourself. And I want, I want deeply to just be, because the Spirit of God works often on impulse, So that's why we have to get rid of this idea, I feel this way. Your feelings are not anointed, okay? They're authentic. I'm glad you feel that way. But your feelings aren't the barometer nor the filter by your behavior. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God literally is keeping you from doing what you want so that you would look like Him. And let me tell you, the world is filled with people who operate in the desires of the flesh, and they perform, they have performative spiritual exercises. And when the desires of the flesh take over, it'll destroy your life. It'll destroy your home. It'll destroy your relationships. And understand these are desires. I love that imagery he says in Galatians. They're actual desires. They're things you want to do. And sin is attractive. One author put it this way. Sin is like a little cat. You bring a little baby cute cat home, and you're just like, ooh, kibbles and bits and bits and bits. Aww. No, you don't want to know me. You put the little kitty cat on Instagram. Aw, I got my new cat. Keep feeding him. Keep feeding him. <laughs> Then you come to find out this baby cat is actually a tiger. And the very thing you've been feeding is now eating you. And in the same way, that habit, that behavior, that attitude, you don't fight it, in the, you don't fight it with the spirit. You end up feeding it in the flesh. And it ends up destroying you. That jealousy destroys you and friends. That anger destroys you. Um, Resisting the urge to talk about Will Smith was dynamic this week. Amen? (laughs) But, 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 but without, without, without going into too much detail there, because I think everybody, I, I, I think part of what happened even in that moment is, We've, we're now in a world where people aren't human anymore. They're content. And, you know, so I don't want to add to just making him content. But I do think it was a moment for us to see that the things that you are dwelling on will come to light. And that moment wasn't an isolated moment. That moment was built up. So let's be careful about talking about him and let's start talking about the things building up in you. Because there's a good chance, there's a, there's a good chance you've had a moment like that. It just wasn't on national TV. You know? And, and we, just, we just have to be, we have to be careful because God gives us stories in the Bible 
to not work as content, but as warnings. You know, imagine if the Lord just took the story of Joseph and be like, so, okay, guys, this is crazy. His brothers throw him in a pit. Like, that's not the point of the Bible is to just have entertaining content. It's to be a warning of who we could become. And so we should let these things be a warning of who we could become. And we should be more aware of who we're becoming. And so what does Paul say? Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Watch this, though. If. Can you believe this? He's writing this to Christians. This is not some conference he's doing. This is not an event. This is not some evangelistic moment. To the people in Rome who he knew had been suffering for the things of Christ, he still said, if. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. And he says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. The word dwell is a permanent residency. Even for Christians who had been suffering for Christ, he still said if. And if Paul the apostle thousands of years ago would say if to a small Roman community, far be it from me to not say if to our little Brooklyn church, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. From pulpit to the door, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. There's no guarantee that you have not had formed habits of religious exercise. And he says, today you can have the Spirit of God come in your life and change you. Two more analogies real quick. My, um, my mother-in-law came into town, call her Jima. And Jima is, you know, when she, whenever she comes in our house, everything changes. If there was a dish that wasn't clean, it's clean. If there's something on the floor, it gets swept. Well, we had this room in the crib that was a hot mess, amen? And I said, Jima, you don't want to see this room. Girl, you don't want to see this room because this room's a mess. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. So we go to my daughter's soccer game. I come back. It's clean. (laughs) My plan worked. There's no way she can be there and things be the same. She can't be in that room and not create order. She can't help herself. Because as long as she's in there, she's going to clean things up. She's going to change some things. So my first question is not how hard you're working. I'm just asking, is the spirit in the house? Is he in the house? 
The second is, um, there is, therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to pay again. And that, that impulse you have to condemn yourself is actually an opportunity for praise, to thank God for paying it for you. The other week, a friend of mine said, let's go out to eat. So I said, I pointed to a bodega because that's where my budget is currently <laughs> set me up to go. We were in Williamsburg and he pointed to this restaurant called Peter Luger's. You feel that? I have never donned the, I have not, even when I walk by there, I feel uncomfortable, okay? <laughs> I mean, the menu is wildly intimidating. So he points to Peter Luger's, and I just tell him straight up, I cannot, I'm not on a Peter Luger's budget. I don't go to Peter Luger's. I don't, I feel uncomfortable saying his name, okay? <laughs> so he's like, no, 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 that's my spot. I said, well, I'll meet you after, and we can... <laughs> because I don't even want to pretend I can go into Peter Luger's. And he says, I got you. I said, okay. So we go in, and then I see the menu. And I did what all people do when you have someone paying for you something you have no business paying. I go, what you getting, you know what I'm saying? What you, what you been to get, you know what I'm saying? Because I've seen his menu. He said, I'm going to get a steak. It's a steak spot. I said, but do you? He says, I got you. So he got a steak. I got fries. He got fries. It was good. Save up. Maybe one day you don't pay rent and you go to Peter Lula. Save up for it. Save 2035, you make your way over to Peter Lugas. <laughs> get to the end. Get to the end. He goes, you want dessert? Come on, Jesus. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, uh, you getting dessert? He said, uh, yeah, do you want dessert? I said, I want what you want. He said, yeah, I'm getting dessert. I said, well, I guess I'm getting dessert too. So I got me some dessert. And it was good. And that steak was amazing. And I'm just sitting there and I'm full and we're talking. And the guy comes over with the bill. And he had one of these machines. He had like a, a thing where you clearly see the price. Y'all, let me tell you about that price. I could not, you know, because sometimes you go, I got the tip. I, I couldn't even get the tip. The tip was out of my range. So he comes over with the bill. And he gets the bill and he takes his card out. And he pays. And do you know what I did? I did what we all do. I went back to my back pocket for money I don't have. 
and I reached in and I did a good look, you know, because you got to make it. There's an art to it. There's an art to it. So you got to be, you got to be, you got to get your, you got to get your shoulder into it. And you got, it's got to be a quick, you know, like, and then what, what do you think I said? I said, you, you, you sure? <laughs> Trying to pay something I can't pay. And what do you think he said? And every time you feel condemnation and you feel the weight of your sin, you're looking at the price and you go, you sure? See, every time you start to pretend you're trying to pay something you don't have the money to pay and you're looking at a very high bill, that attitude is a very high bill. That behavior, oh, that bill is high. And there are dark nights of the soul where you see the price. But what do you think I did when we left that restaurant? I said, thank you. Man, that was so good. And instead of guilt, I had praise. And today I offer you this. When you feel that, you sure, Jesus? You sure you still want me? I'm a mess. The gospel says you can be a mess and be deeply loved. And instead of dwelling in condemnation, dwell in praise. Would you stand with me? Well, today, I believe that there's probably somebody here that by way of our teaching, you, not, not salvation, but just first and, foremost, first and foremost, just fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you've not grown comfortable yet with just letting the Holy Spirit change you. And you need, a, you need to have a refreshing of the Spirit in your life and be reminded that He does the work. If there's anybody here that just needs to be prayed over, that you would have a revival with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you need to start soaking, that you've had all scrub, no, no soak. Today, I want to offer you prayer. Is that you? Come. Come right here to the front. If you just need to be prayed over, come right here to the front. I see you. Come on right here to the front. Come right here to the front. Come right here to the front. That you're, you're saying, I need, I need a new orientation to the Holy Spirit in my life. I am working so hard and I am not letting the work be done by the Spirit. Come on down. Saints, will we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, you don't put the weight of transformation on us. You've given us the person of the Holy Ghost. Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh on these folks right now? If the Spirit of God be in them, be like Jima and clean things up. Start moving things. Start shifting things. Start rearranging things right now. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. God, we don't need a new sermon 
We don't need a new Bible verse. What we need is you working through those things. So God, I ask right now, would you allow these people every day to enjoy your fellowship? Oh God, can we enjoy your fellowship? You delight when we run to you after sin. You delight when we run to you after sin. You delight when we run to you after sin. You delight when we run to you after sin. You delight when we run to you after sin. You delight when we run to you after sin. You delight in that. You delight in that. You, you enjoy when we come to you, even in our brokenness. You enjoy us. God, I pray that even now, in the mighty name of Jesus, would you give these folks a spirit of delight over discipline? Would you give these folks a spirit of having delight over discipline? That when my discipline fades away, my delight must still be there. I enjoy you, God. 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 I just want to be with you, God. I just want to be with you, God. I just want to be with you. I just want to enjoy you, God. I just want to enjoy you, God. I just want to enjoy God. I just want to enjoy God. I want to be with God. And in my ugliest moments, God, I, I know that you are not looking just at me. You're looking at Jesus. Oh, God, thank you that there is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's celebrate right now the work of the Spirit in our lives. Let's celebrate right now the work of the Spirit in our lives. God, we repent of our efforts. We repent of false religion. I repent of pretending, God. I repent of performing, God. Would you break the spirit of performance in our lives? The spirit of pretending in our lives. Now let's not move from here. Let's not move from here. If you are unsure that the Spirit of God be in you, I ask that you come now. You're not sure that the Spirit of God be in you. You're not sure that you have a relationship that's secure with God. I ask that you come right now. I ask that you come right now. If you're not sure, don't, don't wait today. Don't wait today. You're tired. You're tired of doing it in your own strength. Don't wait today. Don't wait. If the Spirit of God be in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, then these folks all here, I pray for a renewed spirit. I just pray for a renewed spirit. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.